all the right notes, the first book by Twitter influencer Lance Levine. It's a wild ride down a path of musical adventure that recaps many random run-ins with rock royalty, such as U2, Slash, The Ramones, The Goo Goo Dolls, and many more. And all the crazy occurrences that have happened to him that trace back to music. All the right notes is 209 pages sure to bring a smile to your face and to remind you how much music has probably touched your life as well. All the right notes available now on Amazon in paperback for $14.99 and on Kindle for all you tech warriors for $9.99. Also at local Chicago bookstores, as well as Rolling Stone Records on Harlem and Irving. If you can't find it, ask for it by name. All the right notes by Lance Levine. And I have been told I could not put it down. I read it all in one day. So order it now and see what all the fuss is about. This episode is also brought to you by Manscaped. Use promo code STSPOD. Manscaped, the global leaders in below-the-waist grooming, just dropped their lawnmower 4.0. I hope you're as excited for this as me because this thing is legit. It's a fourth-generation trimmer featuring a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. Do you or your dad travel a lot? Because, you know, your dad needs a Manscaped. If so, then the 4.0 is the perfect trimmer for home and on the go. The upgraded trimmer includes a multifunction on-off switch that can engage a travel lock. It also gives you the ability to turn on the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. I think you always need a precise shave, so good thing we got that light. Remember, 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped.com and use the code STSPOD. Welcome back to the record store. This is the one record store where you will not have to check your bags. So we want to definitely give a shout out to our um, our house band that was Unmitigated Gall with our theme for the record store, as usual. Love those guys. Hopefully with uh, fully vaccinated now, I will be able to get to see Unmitigated Gall sometime this summer in Chicago. So we are back with our 10th episode. This is pretty exciting. And the band that I happened to grab today... Uh, one of my favorites, I know I probably say that every time, but one of my favorite bands, I've been a fan of these guys for, man, it feels like forever. And in doing my research for this, it actually is pretty much forever. So the name of the album is Cheap Trick. I'll give you one guess as to who did the album. Yes, it was Cheap Trick. Uh, but this was released in 1997. So it turns out Cheap Trick named their very first album Cheap Trick, and they named this their 13th album Cheap Trick as well. So some of the uh, higher class, you know, more hardcore Cheap Trick fans refer to this one as CT97 or CT2, which makes it sound like a Led Zeppelin album. But anyway, so this is their 13th album. It's called Cheap Trick, simply called Cheap Trick. Uh, They are, of course, from Rockford, Illinois, which 
about 90 miles outside of Chicago. So not exactly a hop, skip, and a jump. So when people from outside of here refer to them as being from Chicago, it's not exactly true. Although we don't, you know, we don't fight it. It's not like we're ashamed of them or anything. So, but um, they got together in 1974. So, man, I was, give away the reality of it here. I was 12 years old when they got together. So, I mean, it feels like they have been together for my entire life. Um, Rick Nielsen, Robin Zander, the two constants, obviously, they've had. um, Tom Peterson has been with them for the most part, almost the whole run. He dropped out for about seven, eight years when he was trying to pursue a solo career, which didn't go anywhere. Um, So fortunately, he came back. They had a couple other guys who kind of looked like him, filling in for him, which was ironic. I'm wondering, like, how do you do that audition? Like, we're going to have a bunch of people, a bunch of guys audition to play bass, but you got to look like Tom Peterson. So if you don't look like Tom Peterson, no need to apply. So, But he's back, and he's back in the fold. He's been back in the fold for years now. And then, of course, the original drummer was Bunny Carlos, who left and was replaced by Rick Nielsen's son, Dax, which we will touch on. Uh, in a little bit. So Bun left in about 2010 or so, because uh, it's kind of disputed. Um, and Dax Nielsen has been the drummer ever since. They didn't drop, they didn't miss a beat. Uh, Dax, obviously growing up in a rock and roll family, does a really good job. So, But he, he's not in place just because he is Rick Nielsen's kid. He's actually a really good drummer too. So Cheap Trick obviously hit big. Uh, the Budokan, the live album, put him on the map. Shout out to all my wrestling buddies. Uh, but the Budokan live album, which was their third, fourth, somewhere in their album, it's kind of just not disputed, but they had a studio album come out around the same time. So, uh, came out, uh, and put them on the map. Um, I found it to be a little bit popish. It, it leaned more on the, like, I want you to want me type stuff. Um, I prefer the harder cheap trick stuff, like the surrenders and the dream police and many, many hits since then. But I, I prefer that version of cheap trick, although they are versatile, so they can do a lot of different stuff. Um, in looking at some of the stats that I discovered here, they've done over 3,700 shows live, which is just ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. 3,700 shows. They've sold over 20 million albums. Uh, they went into the Hall of Fame, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2016 uh, when Bun E. Carlos rejoined them very briefly, just for one night, basically. Uh, the name Cheap Trick, I never knew this. The name Cheap Trick, uh, Tom Peterson, the bass player, made a comment. They had seen the band Slade live. And I tried to look up anything about Slade. And Slade, I've heard the name, but they're not like known for hits or anything. But Slade was kind of like an art rock band in the 70s. And so they had seen them live, and Tom Peterson's line was, they did it. They used every cheap trick in the book, and for some reason, that stuck, and they named the band after that line and that, that quote, and it's been no looking back ever since then. So another shout-out to my wrestling buddies, the original singer before Robin Zander and before the first album came out, the original singer of Cheap Trick, his name was Randy Hogan, which I found like really hysterical that Randy Hogan was the name of this of um, the singer of Cheap Trick before Robin Zander joined. He left, and then Robin Zander joined, and that was when the first album came out. So I'm like, this is like a total beat Pete Best situation where you know this band goes on to like huge career and huge notoriety and fame. And this idiot Randy Hogan had just quit the band, and so he never benefits from the fact that Cheap Trick became such a big deal. But then again, they wouldn't have been a big deal without Robin Zander. So 
uh, six of one, half dozen of the other. So running joke with Cheap Trick, as you probably know if you're a fan of theirs, is that they would always put Robin Zander and Tom Peterson on the album covers because they were the pretty boys. And they would always put Rick Nielsen and Bunny Carlos on the back because they were either the goofs or the fat asses and whatever. And they just, it was like it became a running joke. So the interesting thing about this album is that they put the instruments on the front and back cover. And so <laughs> it's only funny to a Cheap Trick fan. The, they have Rick Nielsen's guitar and Bunny Carlos's drums on the front cover and they have Robin Zander's guitar and Tom Peterson's bass on the back cover. So even when Rick and Bun get on the cover, it's not really them. It's their instruments. So it's like kind of like they still can't win, you know, even though it's not actually them. They still can't win because it's just their instruments on the cover. So anyway, a couple other things with Cheap Trick. Um, they have recorded with a couple different labels. Uh, they were with Epic they were with CBS, they were with Epic. Epic, um, their sales had started tapering off in the 80s, and Epic insisted that they start working with some outside writers. And so the album Lap of Luxury is almost all outside writers working with them. And The Flame was on that album, which turns out The Flame is their only number one hit, which is hard to believe with such a long career uh, and so many dozens of, si of singles and hit songs that are on the radio uh, that The Flame was the only one that hit number one. They also did the cover of Don't Be Cruel on this album, and that hit number four. So the Lap of Luxury album was considered a successful comeback album for them in 1988. So this is like one of the only bands that's been around long enough to have had like four different comebacks. So anyway, so this album, uh, again, the sales had gone down again, and so they had signed with a company called Red Ant Records. Uh, Red Ant Records promptly went bankrupt 11 weeks after this album came out. So, but on the good, on the positive side, the album, this album, Cheap Trick, um, got all kinds of praise. Uh, the critics said it was a return to their roots and a return to the greatness of Cheap Trick after they had been floundering for a couple years. Uh, they specifically went with the classic, you know, typewriter logo on this album. Uh, and showing the instruments that they were so popular and well-known for with the five-neck guitar, the Rick Nielsen five-neck guitar, the checkerboard design that they're so well-known for, uh, because they really wanted to make an effort with this album to get back the old fans and to also like indoctrinize themselves to new fans also. So this album was like a big watershed album for them. And it was actually, it is actually a really good album. So a um, couple of the dates before we get into the songs, 2007, the governor of Illinois declares April 1st, officially cheap trick day. So when you're playing practical jokes on people, see, I don't do practical jokes on April 1st because everybody's expecting it, you know? So I do it like the other 364 days a year. So I am perfectly content with April 1st being cheap trick day. So the next time you're going to do a joke or something and make uh, some goofy antics, make sure you're, you know, playing, paying homage to cheap trick with that. Uh, 2011. This is a weird story. If I found, um, they were playing an outdoor festival in Ottawa, Canada, a storm hits while they're playing, and the 40-ton roof, yes, that's right, 40-ton roof collapses. And fortunately for everybody, it fell backwards, and the stage, they didn't get hurt playing on stage, and now the fans got injured. But it did destroy their tour bus, their tour vehicles with all the equipment and stuff. So fortunately, nobody got hurt, but man... 
I had never heard that 10 years ago that that happened. Uh, 2013 was the whole Bunny Carlos situation. He sued them saying that he never officially had left the band. He never officially quit. He had taken time off to get back surgery done. Uh, but he wasn't being allowed to record and tour with them now that he was back healthy again. So he sued them. They promptly countersued him, uh, seeking to make his official, his ouster official to get him out of the band. So I don't know what the bad blood was there. Maybe just the fact simply that he sued them in the first place and that pissed them off. So they reached an out-of-court settlement uh, compromise where he still makes a quarter. He makes the 25% he was making before in terms of the, the dollars. You know, everything like this always boils down to the money, so it makes sense. So he was going to still get 25% of probably the albums that came out without him, or with him, rather. Uh, but he was no longer going to be recording or touring, and they were going to stick with Dax as the um, as the drummer. So that was the ugliness of the whole Bunny Carlos thing. So it's interesting that he they were able to all swallow their egos for a bit, and he performed with them at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2016. So a lot of people um, cite Cheap Trick as being so influential to their careers. Uh, the prominent one was Kurt Cobain calling Nirvana the 90s Cheap Trick. Um, and I've heard a lot of, in interviews, I've heard a lot of people say, you know, how underrated Cheap Trick is and how influential Cheap Trick was in their careers. So um, if you've read my book, All the Right Notes, as you know, on Amazon, you know, I've had a couple run-ins with uh, members of Cheap Trick. Uh, and so Rick Nielsen, high energy, great guy, just uh, so much fun to be around. Uh, just really great experience meeting him at my old work and then Tom Peterson at one of my old jobs as well. Tom Peterson, the bass player, uh, both guys, just super, really nice, really friendly guys. Couldn't have been nicer. Uh, probably seen him about a dozen times. I've got the guitar picks to prove it because, you know, you've seen, if you've seen any videos of Rick Nielsen performing, you know, he's always constantly throwing out a million guitar picks during the shows. Uh, I was fortunate enough to see the Sgt. Peppers tour live when they did, their cover, which that album is out there, um, and I have that. It's so fantastic. It's their note-for-note -note cover of Sgt. Pepper's by the Beatles. Um, and they did a tour, and I, actually I mentioned this in the book too, they did a tour where they did the entire album front to back of the Sgt. Pepper's, their Sgt. Pepper's cover. So good, so good. And then they took a break, and then they came back and did their hits in the second half of the show. So that was a phenomenal tour, one of the concerts that really stands out in my head. So, all right, so let's get into this album. So it is called Cheap Trick, and it is 43 minutes and 17 seconds. It is 11 songs, and oddly enough, there was a two-song disc that was included. If you bought the album when it came out, um, there was a in the shrink wrap, you got a second bonus disc that had two extra songs on it. There are no lyrics, so, you know, I'm not happy, but, you know, I love Cheap Trick, so I'll deal with it. So, But there was liner notes with pictures of these guys. Um, the In the liner notes, the one thank you that stood out to me was Reebok. They thanked Reebok shoes, which I wear Reebok shoes, and I don't care what you think, but I love Reebok. They are comfortable. They've always been comfortable. I will continue to re wear Reebok shoes. So they thanked Reebok, so I was happy about that. Glad they were working together. Uh, the single from this album was called Say Goodbye. It's, uh, you'll, we'll talk about it when we get to that, but didn't get much pr play, uh, possibly because the record company went bankrupt 11 weeks after the album came out. So there was nobody to, nobody to promote the album. The offices were bare. So anyway, all right, let's get started with the album. The first song is called Anytime. It's a hell of a starter. Um, 
definitely embraced grunge because, like I said, this album was 19, 1997 uh, in the height of the grunge era of Seattle. Uh, and they embraced it here. Heavy bass sound to it. Just a real heavy sound to the song in general. Not Beatles-y to me. Uh, a lot of people talk about a lot of the the um, the song. A lot of Cheap Trick songs have very distinct Beatles influence in them. So this, honestly, this was more of like an Alice in Chains influence to me. I, I heard so much Seattle and so much grunge in this song. Um, honestly, my favorite song on the album. The bridge of this song is so cool. This song would be so good live. I, I, if I've seen it live, I don't remember. I don't think I have, but I don't think I've, this has been in their set list. Uh, Robin Zander just belting it out here. Uh, it kicks in, and I honestly, when this song, when the hard rock of this song kicks in, I will put this up against any hard rock song for power. Uh, this definitely belongs on classic rock radio. So the the bane of my existence, classic rock radio. Although I will definitely vouch for spectrum on xm it is my my saving grace the the station that i discovered on xm that actually plays the the old hits as well as new songs too so anyway anytime would fit on that station anytime would fit on any station because it's such a great song great opener to this album so second song is called hard to tell this they let the pop kind of creep back in a little bit here it's kind of more of a foot tapper um very Beatlesy, you know. Referenced it already. The Beatlesy harmonies here, um, but honestly, there's something kind of who sounding to this song to me too. Uh, there's something about the drums at the beginning and at the end of the song that have a very like a Keith Moon vibe to them, and there's just a, a real who kind of like vibe to this song. So another good song, two good ones in a row to start the album. Um, third song is called Carnival Game. It is definitely mellower and definitely like kind of um, like an Abbey Road-ish era Beatles sound to it. Uh, just beautiful vocals, beautiful harmonies, just pure power pop that Cheap Trick is known for. Um, Robin somehow manages in this song to sound like both Lennon and McCartney. When he, he just sings songs like this, like this Carnival Game, it just sounds like both Lennon and McCartney, which is actually amazing that somebody can do that. So, But then in the guitar break of this song, Rick comes charging in with this like Jimi Hendrix kind of riff to it. So just a really interesting song, um, just in the different influences that you can definitely pick out in cheap with Cheap Trick. Uh, fourth song is called Shelter. It's a ballad. Uh, it's a pretty song. Um, at least the concept and the lyrics are pretty. But this, the music is really like this kind of depressing, like dirge kind of music. So kind of diff- doesn't make sense because he's talking. It's called Shelter. And Robin is singing about if he had a kid, he would take care of his kid. He would provide shelter. Uh, he would provide shelter for his mom. His mom provided shelter for him before that. So it's just always it's a very deep song but it's kind of depressing the music itself is kind of depressing so i'm not sure i get like why does it have to be the you know the dichotomy of having these uplifting kind of lyrics that he's talking about loving his family and being loved by his family but yet having this depressing music to uh, <laughs> to offset it so i don't i don't understand it but it's a pretty song i guess in the in the spirit of it uh, it's just the the lyrics not so much 
So, all right, that is it, or the song, the music rather, not so much. The lyrics are uplifting, not so much the music. So, all right, we're going to flip over this side to side two. We're going to take a break. We're going to pay some bills, and we'll be right back with side two of Cheap Trick by, wait for it, Cheap Trick. We'll be right back. This episode is also brought to you by SpunkLoop.com. Remember when you're getting funky like a monkey, if you know what I mean, use Spunky. That's right. Go to www.spunkloop.com and tell them STS Pod sent you. Oh, you didn't know? Well, your ass better... Well, you better tell someone. Tell someone about stspod.com. Tell them now. Call them. Text them. Tell them. Telegram. Send them video messages. Whatever. Tell them. Right Notes, the first book by Twitter influencer Lance Levine. It's a wild ride down a path of musical adventure that recaps many random run-ins with rock royalty, such as U2, Slash, The Ramones, The Goo Goo Dolls, and many more. And all the crazy occurrences that have happened to him that trace back to music. All the Right Notes is 209 pages sure to bring a smile to your face and to remind you how much music has probably touched your life as well. All the right notes available now on Amazon in paperback for $14.99 and on Kindle for all you tech warriors for $9.99. Also at local Chicago bookstores, as well as Rolling Stone Records on Harlem and Irving. If you can't find it, ask for it by name. All the right notes by Lance Levine. And I have been told I could not put it down. I read it all in one day. So order it now and see what all the fuss is about. All right, thanks to our sponsors, and welcome back to Side 2 with uh, Cheap Trick at the record store. So this, um, the fifth song is called You Let a Lot of People Down. Uh, very heavy bass on this song. Uh, it really hit me, for whatever reason, it really hit me during this song that Cheap Trick is a band that found a formula and sticks with the formula, which is Robin Zander does all the singing, and that's the formula. Uh, the musicianship is excellent in Cheap Trick, always has been. Uh, it's actually, I think it's actually honestly gotten better over the years. But Robin Zander is somebody whose voice we've been listening to for going on 50 years now and has never changed. It's always been so good. So I just feel like, you know, we've talked on these shows, actually. We've talked about some of these bands that, you know, they'll, they'll have the bass player shall do a two songs or three songs on an album just to throw them a bone. And in some cases, they're pretty good. In some cases, not so much. Uh, you can reference some of the older episodes to see who I thought not so much about. But in this particular case, they don't fuck around with it. They realize they have this world-class vocalist, so they stick with him on every song. So I don't know what it was about this song that made me think that, but it is. So they have stuck with it. He sounds great here. He hits all these highs and lows all in the same song. Uh, there's a big drum solo, in a sense, to finish the song with Robin screaming behind it. So it just it's a great song in the sense that they, they use all of their elements in the song in various ways. Uh, and just a really cool finish to the song for like the last minute or so where it's like just this drum kind of solo, I guess. I mean, you can hear other stuff too, but 
it's a drum solo with Robin screaming the vocals behind it. So cool song. You, you let a lot of people down. Sixth song is called Baby No More, which was another attempt at a single that didn't pan out. A uh, real high energy song, almost like, honestly, like a rockabilly kind of sound to it. Um, I thought it had a feverish pace. Um, I would honestly say, you know, at the ages that these guys are now, that they would need some oxygen after all of this because the, the energy level in Baby No More is just so high. Uh, Robin is just all pissed off. Most of the songs are written by Robin and Rick. Uh, Robin Zander and Rick Nielsen. I talk like I know them, but kind of feel like I do know them because I've seen them for so many years now. But pissed off song, uh, and the song is called Baby No More because he doesn't want to be your baby no more. So that's just going to be the end of the relationship. So, all right, number seven was Yeah, Yeah is the name of the song. Um, This one... Like I said about how Robin's vocals hit me in one of the previous songs, this one hits me where the bass is so prominent in Cheap Trick. Um, and for whatever reason, it really hit me in this song. Uh, more prominent than in so many other bands. You know, you don't hear the bass as prominent as you do in Cheap Trick. Um, and the thing with Cheap Trick is the visual when you see them. What you've seen for all these years is Rick Nielsen acting like a goof and being a goof on stage and being very theatrical and boisterous and goofy um, with the weird guitars, you know, the guitars that look like him and the guitars with the five necks and so on. So and him just being a, a crazy whacked out, you know, throwing shit into the audience all the time. And then, but you see Tom Peterson, you know, the typical prototypical bass player, just, you know, low key, low energy off on the other side, you know, not making a spectacle of himself. Um, but then you, you realize when you really listen to the music closely, how much they emphasize the bass, you know, obviously, yes, Rick Nielsen is a great guitarist and he's a hell of a showman and he's a great, I don't want to say front man cause it's kind of him and Robin, but they're great theater you know theatrical stage performers whereas tom peterson is the typical bass player who just kind of sits back and lets everybody else do everything that's energetic so but if you listen to the song yeah yeah it's another one of the songs where the bass is featured so prominently that you really do appreciate it so all right number eight is the song is called say goodbye it was the attempt at a single here which it struck me, why is this song called Say Goodbye, the eighth song, and not the last song on the album? That's just kind of seems obvious to me that a song called Say Goodbye should be the last song on the album. I don't know. And honestly, the last song on the album is a misfire, so we'll get to that. This should have been the last song on the album because it would have made sense from a grammatical standpoint as well. Say Goodbye should be last. So um, it should have charted. It, it has a great beat. It's a fun, cheap trick song. What it reminds me of is the theme song from that 70s show, um, which was done by Cheap Trick. Initially, it was not done by Cheap Trick, so I come to find out that they did a re-release or re-record of it, that it was originally done by some other band, um, and Cheap Trick took over doing that song. It's called In the Street. Um, Cheap Trick took over doing the theme song from that 70s show in the second season. So I thought that was interesting. I always just associated that theme song for that 70s show with Cheap Trick. So this song reminds me of that. It's got an acoustic start. Uh, then the song kicks in. Um, maybe had Red Ant not folded, they could have pushed it and they could have promoted it. It was a perfect, catchy radio song. Um, I could definitely see this being on a you know a Greatest Hits, Cheap Trick Greatest Hits album. But I honestly, very little memory of this song ever making any radio airplay. So like I said, good poppy song. 
it would have fit right in with the you know the whole I want you to want me type era of music that got them so big on the radio. So really good song should have been last, but that's a whole nother story. So all right, ninth song is called Wrong All Along, a real short song. Um, Robin honestly channeling badass Elvis here, like early leather jacket bad boy Elvis with his vocals here. And you know they've done covers of um, All Shook Up and they've done other. Elvis covers over the years. So Robin definitely channeling like an early, like badass Elvis, I thought on this. The music matches it too. It's like kind of a heavy country sound to it. Uh, like almost, uh, I want to say like a Chuck Berry ish kind of guitar too. Um, and also leaning really heavily on the drums. So again, it's just when you listen to their music and you really listen to it closely, you really hear the great musicianship in all of these guys. And, you know, I hate to minimize Robin's guitar playing, but Robin plays rhythm guitar too. Um, you Obviously, you know Rick is the main guy in terms of the guitar. And when you think of Robin, you think of the vocals, which are phenomenal. Um, but like I said, if when you listen to songs like this, this wrong all along, you really hear the strength of the musicianship of all four of these guys. So 10th song, really interesting, probably the most interesting song on the album. It's called eight miles low. Um, and you've heard the bird song, eight miles high. It's a classic. Um, it is not eight miles high. It is eight miles low and it's a completely different song. So it comes at you really strong. And what it reminded me of is like a vintage James Bond theme song. Like it has this really building orchestral kind of sound to it almost like a it doesn't sound at all like live and let die but live and let die kind of conveys what i'm talking about as far as it just has this driving beat that keeps on building and building and there's some strings some string sounds in there um but just really good song i really liked it a lot um and at first i thought this has nothing to do with the birds eight miles high you know it, it just doesn't they never say the term eight miles high in the song or eight miles low in the song rather um i i'm trying to figure out what the hell is this all about so i listened to the songs back to back i listened to eight miles low on this album and then i put on eight miles high by the birds and there is kind of a sprinkling of birds elements in the song. I kind of picked up on it in listening to them back and back to back. More, mostly the music. It's mostly the guitar. It's not so much the vocals or anything else. But there are some eight miles high elements to this song. And in true cheap trick fashion, they are very self-deprecating. And so they had to give it a self-deprecating title. So they called it eight miles low because of course you know the birds are pioneers and the birds are legends and they have a song called eight miles high so of course we're the antithesis to that we're the dumbass you know rock band that is going to call our version of this song eight miles low again it doesn't sound that much like it there's a little bit of elements to it you can pick up on here and there but it's not like a cover or by any means or a reinterpretation of eight miles high at all but interesting song um like i said i just i love again much like this the self-deprecating stuff about cheap trick i love this too so and then the album proper ends with the song it all comes back to you which is what i was saying earlier was a misfire so it's a ballad to close the regular album um robin singing robin is singing through some kind of weird device that alters his voice and it sounds all muffled and i'm thinking it's not needed. You know, you don't need... You've got Robin Zander, for Christ's sake. You've got one of the Mount Rushmore singers in my book as far as careers in rock vocals. 
it's not needed. Don't fuck with his voice. And that's all I could think about this whole song because almost the entire song is him singing through this weird device that just alters the sound of his voice and makes it sound muffled and far away. It's a pretty song. It's a pretty ballad. It's a love song. It's not like the funeral dirge kind of sounding ballad that we had earlier, but it's a pretty song. And I think it would have been so much better if they hadn't fucked with it and just let Robin Zander sing this song as himself without whatever harmonizing machine they had him singing through. So did not like it. Um, One of the low points on the album, because like I said, they used a special effect that just totally wasn't needed. Had they redone this or maybe they put this on a, you know, on a, a compilation album where they do another version of it, I bet it'll be phenomenal because it'll be just Robin singing this great, pretty song. So, all right, then we get to the bonus disc. Um, first song, there's only two songs on the bonus disc that came with it. Uh, first song is called Baby Talk. And the two songs on here were produced by Steve Albini, who is from Chicago, um, well-known punk and grunge producer. Um, he's been, he's worked with, I probably, I want to say hundreds of bands because when I was looking through his history, man, it, I just ran out of space. Uh, but Urge Overkill, Nirvana, so many, like Nirvana in, in utero, he worked on that. So, I mean, he worked on so many classic, like I said, punk slash grunge sounding albums. And you can tef- definitely hear his influence on both of these songs. Um, Baby Talk, super heavy. You can definitely hear the grunge influence here, all based to this out to this song rather. Just really powerful, strong, like heavy beat to it. I am honestly, I don't know that this would have fit on this album. I think it probably would have. Um, they could have scrapped that last ballad, I suppose, or that funeral dirge song earlier. Uh, they could have scrapped one of those songs, but honestly, there was only 11 songs on the album, so they could have put it on the album itself, too. But for whatever reason, it was a shrink-wrapped bonus disc that was added. So I enjoyed Baby Talk, thought it was a good song. And then the very last song on the bonus disc and on the whole package is a song called Brontosaurus, which was a song, a cover uh, by a guy, a guy who wrote it is named Roy Wood. So it was written in 1970, and it was done by a band called The Move, which probably doesn't ring a bell. It didn't ring a bell for me. Um, But then when I listened to the song, I'm like, oh, yeah, I think I've heard this. I think I've heard this before. So I looked into it, and Tim Curry, of all people, Tim Curry has also covered this song. It's been covered a handful of times. Um, And when I saw that, I'm like, oh, that makes sense, because this actually, the song actually sounds like something that would fit right in on the Rocky Horror Picture Show soundtrack. So this band, The Move, I guess, got some kind of notoriety in England, didn't do anything, I don't think, very much in the States at all. Um, But interesting trivia note about The Move is that this guy Roy Wood was in The Move, and another guy joined The Move by the name of Jeff Lynne. And they kind of morphed, they started working together, and they kind of morphed the move into Electric Light Orchestra. So that, this is like very, very rudimentary and early on before ELO came to be. This is kind of the roots of where ELO came from. So it's an okay song. I'm not sure why Cheap Trick would have covered it, but as a bonus song on a bonus disc, it was fine. Um, But I think it's more of an interesting story than anything else about that song. So anyway, Brontosaurus and Baby Tuck, the two songs produced by Steve Albini, which were the bonus disc added to Cheap Trick, their 13th studio album. So that is it. That is our album. I definitely endorse this album. I love Cheap Trick. 
I think this was a really good, uh, like I said, Cheap Trick's been around for all damn near 50 years now. So one of the only bands that have could, could have had, you know, four different comeback eras in their history. So thank you to Cheap Trick. Thank you for almost 50 years of music. Thank you for 20 albums. Damn, they put out an album this year, which is outstanding. Really good album um, that came out this year, 2021. Just a really good album as well. And thank you for over 3,700 shows. I don't think I could say that I've been to a heavy percentage of those shows when there's that many. And they've toured all around the world many, many times. Uh, But like I said, I've seen about a dozen of the shows. So what is that? Like 1%, one third of 1%, whatever. So anyway, thanks, Cheap Trick. Thank you for all the great years of enjoyment, for all the great years of entertainment and the great, great catalog that you've given us. Thank you, Brian, for producing. Thank you to our sponsors for paying the bills, keeping the lights on, keeping the microphones running. And thank you to you, most more importantly, thank you to you guys for listening, for spreading the word about the record store, for sharing it, for retweeting it, for, hey, join our Patreon. You hear us talk about our Patreon throughout the episodes and before and after. Join our Patreon, help us pay the bills, help us get this thing going off the ground. Tell all your friends about us. Um, tell them about back episodes that we've done, Heart, um, Tom Petty, Stevie Nicks, The Cars, tell, tell them to listen. If they're fans of those bands, tell them to look for those episodes. And above all else, don't forget, I have fun everywhere I go. See you next time, guys. Thanks for joining us again this week, guys, at the record store. Show us some love. Cash app us at dollar sign BTSTS. Or hit us up on Patreon, www.patreon.com slash shooting the shiznit. You can find me on Twitter at Chocolatier LL or on Facebook at Lance Levine. That's L-E capital V-I-N-E because, you know, I'm classy like that. And you can find all the previous episodes of the record store at stspod.club. If you want to check out some other great music podcasts, check out my guy Pat Francis at Rock Solid, the comedy podcast for all things rock and roll, both new and classic. Or check out Nixology from the mysterious Stephen, all about the career of Stephen Nicks. And if you like to eat as badly as I do, check out my guys Jay and Rick at the I'm Fat podcast for some great food-related laughs every single week. Thanks again for joining us today, guys. And remember, thunder only happens when it's raining, and players only love you when they're playing.